1: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss.
2: When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up.
1: We're running a small little fish out there, so we are, and we're trying hard to make it through but it's hard to get the you near the smaller fish because
3: I love this county so much you know it's just i'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of water today because like I, i'm heart, i'm heartbroken <laughs>
0: So I'm going to start off and this is uh, the topic especially for Brian Carroll more Brian Carroll than you, Chester because I don't know if you're on Twitter or not maybe you are incognito or something like a lot of managers are they don't admit they're on it but <laughs> Brian 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 is very sensitive about this black card topic so we have to and and to be honest I wasn't going to even I was wasn't even sure if I was going to put it on it but I saw a quote from Ryan O'Dwyer and I thought it was madness and I talked up Ryan O'Dwyer last year because he tipped Leash to get out of the Joe McDonough and take out another team um, and this one, I just can't, I can't, I can't let this slide by, Ryan. So he says, I don't think there are any players who will go out there and purposely uh, do the cynical things that people are talking about at the highest level. Surely, to God, Brian, you cannot agree with that naivety. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I can't fully agree. No, I, I understand the sentiment, um, and, and traditionally, I suppose. Uh, people didn't go out with the intent to cynically foul and a lot of things just happened instinctively or in a moment where you just decided right I've got to take this guy down he's burned down in goal or or whatever the foul may be um, but it has definitely with certain teams become more systematic in what they're at um, and I think that's quite obvious Um so I I I take his point like remember like rains stopped playing intercounty county horn a couple of years same as myself and that like it has even moved on even in those couple of years so um you know I suppose deliberate fouls like aren't all deliberate fouls cynical really um you know there there is unintentional fouls they're different obviously but to me every sort of foul is actually um any deliberate foul is cynical in itself I know I've read during the week um and it keeps being quoted about Tipperary's approach in All-Ireland last year where I think the first six or seven scores that Kilkenny got they were all systematically they were stopping them from 30-40 metres out and all, in through and goal but is that what every team up and down the country you know attests to actually do make sure there's no goal score today lads you know do whatever it takes so I don't really count that as cynical play I think like is, is that not just defending is not what the nature is obviously you try to take the ball off them initially, but you're not gonna just let them walk walk the ball into the net. Or else, you know, the game isn't what we uh, we we want it to be essentially. So yeah, a little bit of maybe naivety from Ryan in, in that perspective.
0: Yeah. So like I mean, here's the thing, and it looks like the black card could come in, Cheddar. Because that when you know when these things start getting mooted, you know, like especially when it's if it's certain people that's mooting them, i.e. Oh, Croke Park you know there's a good chance and that all these. the media and yeah, well there's a, a lot of people on the well there's a lot, a lot of hurling people are pushing back against it whether it'll be any good or not but here, here's the thing that I said on Monday is that the black card in football got terrible bad press because in football counter-attack in football was a big thing so if you turn over the ball on, your, on the opposition's 45 a foul there is a really good foul to stop the counter attack and it's cynical and you know what you're doing. In hurling, that foul isn't there. there number one, there isn't really counter attack in hurling as much, and a foul anywhere around that 45 area, it could be a point. So there's no real, re- there's not the same reward for it. So I don't think we'll see the, n- the number of black cards in hurling. The other point is that referees in hurling do not ref the game the same way as football referees. They won't be dishing out black cards for everything or they'll be like the devil. You know, now I know there'll be assessors and things like that. So there's two points. So would there be an appetite cheddar for a a black card preventing a goal scoring opportunity? And if, if the referees were to police that, you wouldn't see it getting as bad a press as, you know, lads walking in big games for, you know, innocuous fouls like happened in football. I think that's probably the worry from hurling people is for it to turn into a bit of a farce like it did in football.
1: Um, I suppose there's a couple of points to that, uh, Ollie. um Look, first of all, do not bring it in. Right. Do not. This is madness. And I'll certainly, you know, you don't need to quote Brian Cody or John Kiley, but if you're looking for two people that rarely speak up about things, but that speak up eloquently about things when they think something is wrong. Both have said this, and there's a number of other people as well. Let's just consider it for a minute. We're praising hurling because of the pace of the game, the speed of the game, um... And, you know, it's very, very different to football and the, the movement of the ball and the movement of the, of the players um, and so on is very different. And one of the reasons that we talk it up is, is because of the flow of the game um, and the pace of it. And, uh, you know, you're going to black hard somebody and take it out, take them out. But I can say to you with certainty that you take out a back like that um, and you're going to change the course of the game now. Yeah. The All Ireland semi-final and final last year probably maybe disagrees with a pint a little bit, but I can tell you, as a black car comes in, management will be looking at how can we uh, isolate their you know their their lack of players and that type of that type of thing, and it'll change the course of the game hugely. JJ, J- 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 J-
0: uh, yeah, JJ <clears throat> did uh, say on Monday that ten minutes with a man down in hurling is a lot different than ten minutes. Oh, it's a massive different altogether.
1: And bear in mind, you know, that the, the point I'm really making to back that up, Willie, is that at the minute managers don't prepare or rehearse to play like that because generally speaking there's not a need you will always rehearse to be a man down or, or vice versa but not to this extent and when they do the difference then will be much much bigger I think um, and I, I think you know I, I just think this is first of all there's two things it's a it's a Uh, you know, it's going back to football. Is it needed in hurling? No, it's not. I've read the media stuff on it and I've also read what Brian has said and maybe there's an alternative here. Rather than giving the black card, maybe if the referee assesses that it's an absolute deliberate foul and a cynical foul that there's a two-point awarded for a free like that. I don't know, but anything that slows down the game, changes the course of the game, takes players off the field, please don't do it. And I'll I'll say to anybody that goes to that Congress on this, stand up and, as hurling people and say, we do not want this. Do not vote this in over our heads.
0: So d- this is an important distinction here now. And it, it is, it's very important in that you're agreeing that a cynical foul should be punished. So it's it's the black card you're against rather uh, than a punishment for being cynical. Uh,
1: absolutely. And, and Willie, I might talk a little bit more on that. I think, and I've spoken a lot about hurling over the last couple of years, I think hurling will go towards a much more tactical game when you will make use of all of these things. Um, and, you know, it'll, you know, Brian has explained it earlier on, it'll be probably to your benefit to take somebody down to stop the move, a tactical move. In other words, you're pinging a pass maybe three passes through the field to create a, a score on the, oppo- on the opposite side. And it might make sense to stop that um, uh, phase of play early in the phase. Um, so you may see a little bit more of this. And I'm, I'm not closed to, not, uh, you know, I'm not just closing my eyes to it here and saying don't do anything, but do not do this. uh, You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't look at Gaelic football anymore. And I was a great. I'm I'm, I'm a hurling man, obviously, but um, I'm a a GA man also. And I would go to a huge amount of football matches. And. and I, I, find I don't, I don't even look at it anymore. I just find it, it just doesn't interest me anymore. The way the game has gone, um, and if that's the way hurling is going to go, are you going to, going to do the same? Turn away a lot of people to hurling as well. Uh, is there a need for this particular type of punishment? No, there's not. There may be in the, there may be in the near future. So let's not close our eyes to it, but have, but have a different type of punishment, and that may very well be a two pint penalty for an absolute deliberate free based on the referee's assessment of. And if you think of it for a minute, Owen Murphy end the role and you so you cannot do that type of a cynical foul outside of the 21 of the opposition because these guys are pointed at the minute and you know most teams will have that uh, um, quality free taker in their ranks um, so I don't know look at something different but do not do this
0: Yeah I think I, I, I'm, I'm happy Brian that, that are you on the same boat as that that you accept there needs to be a punishment because here's the example yeah. we used on, on Monday Brian was uh, Billy Ryan's goal so he went through and goal scored a great goal but it's Donahue the corner back tried to try trip him up with a Hurley now if he had been successful and tripped up Billy Ryan there's no goal there to get it free and Billy Ryan gets a yellow card he got one anyways but do you see the point like I mean he should have been punished more severely than if say for example he had tripped Billy Ryan he should have been punished more severely for stopping that goal scoring opportunity than just a you know than a point would have happened do you get me and there
3: there is is hurlers doing this yeah no there is and I'm not I don't think anyone's denying that they're doing it you know like there is goal scoring opportunities and we all know late in the game you'll stop someone outside the 21 to yeah. make sure you give away a 21 yard free and, and the chances of scoring a 21 yard free are pretty slim as opposed to allowing them into the goal but if you bring in like what the vast majority of of hurling people now are proposing a similar type rule maybe just a couple of different variations but basically a cynical foul uh, maybe inside the 21 becomes automatically a penalty do you know and it becomes that one-on-one goal, goal scoring opportunity like there's a serious punishment if the if that, if, if yeah. that for instance Simon Dunne who had to pull down Billy Ryan the other day I would extend it further and maybe include the D in that because uh, often those goal scoring opportunities come where a, a player is, is after breaking through the centre and yeah. a, a, ba- a back is making sure that he pulls him down so I'd include the D in, in terms of a, a penalty opportunity but there's a couple of things I just want to, to, to point out for a second <clears throat> number one the the Sinbin was trialed in two thousand and five because I was still playing myself. I was actually I was actually sin binned myself in two thousand and five. What um, did you what did you do? I actually would you believe this <laughs> uh Kevin Dowd, brother of, of uh Tommy Dowd's that used to play for Mead, we we're playing him in, in Division Two in uh two thousand and five. He came in and turned me upside down um, with a shoulder and burst me through the through the helmet. I actually got three stitches inside the side of the head through the helmet and I was a judge for overcarrying because I was on the ground with the ball in my hand so I got up and uh, I let the referee know what I thought of it so I got a yellow card and the trial at that time was if you got a yellow card you were sin bin for 10 minutes okay. so not alone did I give away a free I got three stitches and I got 10 minutes to <laughs> feel sorry for myself <laughs> so um this is where yeah, oh, no, this is
0: the root of these, this opposition yeah, to this the is like i in that
3: grudge <laughs> No, like honestly, that was trialled in two thousand and five, and like there was no appetite for it. It ruined games at the time. So, as I said, this was tried before. Number two, my other main issue with this is is the fact that if Congress brought this in, as far as I'm aware, this automatically comes in for championship. Like we have not even trialled it yeah. since two thousand and five. Well, like what? I, I, how could that yeah. be possible? I have to you know,
0: say, like, I have to say, I've, I've, between JJ, Damien. Uh, cheddar yourself and hurling people because I'm not you're, you're winning me over on this because you're also against it and the, the, the punishment of losing a lad for 10 minutes in a game a hurling game could be over and you're all accepting the cynical play is, a, is an issue and you're suggesting other punishments for it so like I'm, I'm, I'm on your side now kind of And uh, but
3: my thing as well column, is trial it you know don't make it a rule like, I, t- like they have not trialed the black card. Do you know, like they have not tried whatever their variation of it is. Mm-hmm. Like, can we not trial in the league? That's what the whole and, and purpose of the league is. Do you know, it's to trial these things. They've done that in football and whatever. They were happy with doing what they're doing. But as you said, it was a farce when it came in at first, an absolute farce. And football had their own issues. A lot of that was for third man blocking the runs out the field, and they were turning into scraps. And yeah, do you know, like, and as you said, it ruined a lot of big games, and we don't want that in Ireland. It Certainly ruined.
0: Not. It ruined a lot of big games because referees were giving them too t- out too liberally, I suppose. Cheddar, and yeah. that's that's a, a lot of the reasons. So look, we'll move off that, anyways. And geez, I would be uh, very just. with really you on that point? Well, like you,
1: you make a good point there. Like you're, you, you know, we're trying to take pressure off the referees. Now you're putting added pressure on them to make a decision like that in a in a in a massive massive game. Um, and what I'm a little bit surprised that I'm assuming John Kylie and and Brian Cody spoke because this matter wasn't discussed with him. Surely of something of such importance that some key people in the organisation that this thing would have been discussed with him and maybe asked are there alternatives here first of all recognise that there is an issue and that we need to sort it and look at the right punishment or the right solution to the problem, I suppose. This is not it. And, and uh, you know, I'm going to go back to that point. You know, anybody who's at this Congress who is a hurling person, if you believe this, stand up and say so. And don't just acquiesce and be passive about it.
0: Right. OK, that's fair enough. So th- then the next one is a motion from the gory Naveena uh, Club, a motion to Congress. Um, I thought this was an interesting one listen sure there's all sorts of harebrained motions go to congress there's one coming from is it Claire looking for Joe Broly to be reinstated from RT <laughs> that's actually county or
3: council that's a county council or something is it <laughs> yeah.
0: See, that, wouldn't that sum up the public sector in, in, in one in one go wouldn't it if there's nothing better to be doing anyways we won't now get it go, go, go there now woolly. <laughs> <laughs> a man who worked in it all his life and a current, uh, a current public sector employee I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the wrong audience (laughs) But anyways, the motion from Gory is um, that only two players and one management member can talk with the match official. So Dee O'Keefe, this was in the examiner, John Fogarty had it. He must have talked to Dee after the... After the game at the weekend against Kilkenny and he says the referees are getting so much hardship. They're getting shouted at from the line. They're, they're trying to listen in their ear from the linesmen. They're getting lads all over the pitch roaring at them as well. I think someone has something has to be given there. Maybe one or two talking to him about what's going on at the pitch is the way is the way to go. This is a rugby thing, Cheddar. God I don't know like I mean I don't think GA players are disciplined enough for that like I mean what if an incident happens the other end of the field does your captain from full back have to run all the way down to talk to the ref the pitch is too big for that kind of nonsense to be going on for me I don't I don't see how that's any bit of a runner
1: I know it's it's difficult to see how that would work Um, look it would be helpful I think the referees. I think the big issue really is when you see referees that communicate well with managers and players, there's rarely an issue about it. Yeah. When you see referees that don't communicate well with uh, management teams and with players um, then that generally speaking leads to frustration and shouting and, and so on and so on. Interestingly I was surprised I, 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 I was interested to see that D said that in particular the issue about that they're getting shouted at from the line and <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if Dave you have a word with him at the next training <laughs> session here
0: he was at it again, actually, Davey, in the Kilkenny game, Brian. Did you notice that? He was, oh, uh, what is he shouting? Yeah, what I did, did I, I say? I, I, or something, what did I yeah. say?
3: The irony of, of this coming from Oxford I just <laughs> <laughs> I think this is brilliant. <laughs> oh,
0: my lord! So it's not a runner, though, no, is I, it? I, I it's don't not think r- that's
3: no, I don't think it's a runner either. Being honest, as you said, looking in rugby they All kind of line up and face each other mm. per se, so they're always close enough to where in the referee is or the moments, yeah. So, like, I, I can't see how that I know they're saying two players and that mean one forward or one back or whatever. But look, at uh, I think Cheddar summed it up perfectly. Honestly, good referees tend to communicate well the three players with respect, yeah. And it goes back to the referee's slogan, give respect, get respect, yeah. you know. And that, you know, in essence, does start referees and without branding all the club referees the same way that's where a lot of it starts isn't it when you see at a club level some of the referees they, they start giving abuse back to players and back to management like um, and, and that's where it kind of descends into a bit of a farce Um, yeah. so yeah to me I think the good referees they, they automatically kind of stamp that stuff out It's
0: just like uh, teachers in school I suppose Cheddar like the good ones that you respect and that communicate well never yeah. get any hassle off the students and yeah. the ones that that don't do those, their lives are made
1: of, mi- yeah, no, are made well, of misery. Well, look? It's, it's a part of, I suppose, wider issues in society. It's a lack of respect for authority uh, that has changed massively only in the last ten years, and uh, you know that's what we're seeing actually on the field a little bit as well. Um, incidentally, I, I just wouldn't have time for you know, and you know, I pop my hand here and say I may have crossed the line here a couple of times myself, or too many times myself. Uh, but look, you've got to consider as well: referees are, are they're an integral part of the game. We simply wouldn't have the games we have. With Without them. Um, And we've got to accept also that, you know, sometimes to get things right and sometimes to get things wrong. You know, we have had this discussion before players get it wrong, managers get it wrong sometimes. And sometimes we do have to have a little bit more respect for them. And I go back to a little point. Brian maybe last week um, I actually did think we just talked about that point about rules you know if you're going to have rules you've got the referee by rules not what you think should be right and I would disagree Brian with you maybe last week I thought Niall Leary did flick back the Hurley the rule is there that once you do that with the Hurley that you are off and I think he accepted it himself just looking at the the, the picture of that himself he accepted it but the thing the point I'm making is that you and I you know and certainly back in my time a flick back at the Hurley wouldn't have even deserved a second and look um, whereas now it is the rule and if the rules are there I think people who comment have a particular responsibility and p- people certainly in the media have a particular responsibility to back up referees if there's a rule there and if it looks pretty like that he got it right we need to just stand up and say it and back the referee on that um, now I do accept that there are times when you'd be scratching your head about what did the referee see there that you know nobody else appeared to have seen and maybe it's okay to say that clearly as well but I think in media in general I don't mean media as in as in journalists I mean the whole everybody that's involved here about commenting on the games have a little bit of responsibility to stand back for a second and say look it was a foul and uh, you know according to the rule book the referee is right even though you and I and everybody else that likes to see the game flow might disagree with that and I think we just need to accept that and have a little bit more respect for referees as we go along and I'm going to finish what I'm going to say is I'm probably the wrong person to have said that
0: <laughs> I think everybody is it's, it's hard not to You, I mean you, you don't don't think of the referees as mm. as human beings. You just but but it goes back, Willie, you you to that point,
1: I, I think to the point I was making, Willie. I think if the, if the communication is good with referees, you have automatic respect. And it's just, it's just good behaviours. And I can say that with certainty from my own experiences, that referees will come to you before the game, they will establish communication with you, they will say the things that they're looking for in the game. And look, you don't have, you, you, you can't really crib then about something happens in front of you and you, you disagree with it if you've been told about it beforehand it's up to you to ensure that your players comply with whatever whatever the referee is looking at
0: yeah okay I'm going to finish up with some climate change here lads um, <laughs> for, for the two of you so it's climate change in the league so I had this on the football show of the 77 Alliance football and hurling leagues uh, postponed um, in the last 11 years due to weather, 66 have happened since 2017. So we know that, you know, the climate is becoming um, changeable, to say at least, unless, you know, maybe if you're like one of the Healy Rays, if you pray harder to God who controls the weather, we might be, maybe GA people aren't aren't praying enough in, uh, <laughs> in February. But right, so in 2017, there was four... Cancelled. 2018, the Beast from the East was around, and there was 46 games cancelled. 2019, eight. 2020, so far eight, and there could be more of that on top of that. the The point I suppose I'm making from this is I'm very critical of the hurling uh, calendar now. I think the championship is fantastic, but I think everything before May is a little bit of a waste of time, and the league has become a warm up competition and there's uh, too many games that don't really mean that really mean anything so and because there's no real wriggle room Brian and this is the third year in a row that no wriggle room has made the league final go a week later why on earth are they continuing with a league that means nothing when it's it's followed by a league that means everything why not change it to uh, like a cup competition or maybe bring the provincials back and play them then and start the year with the provincials or something something to alleviate the seven games in eight weeks and in the time of the year where we're, this is this issue is not going to get any better if anything it's going to get worse
3: Yeah, the weather I'm talking a, about yeah there's a good few points within there now um, first and foremost the league is starting earlier uh, it's starting in January as opposed to mid to, to late February right. um, and, and even you can go back to Cheddar's time when it used to be played somebody was mm-hmm. played in October and November yeah. um, to play some of the games and it was spread out over, over the year so so the league you know from that perspective it is tighter they've only one weekend off um, uh, in terms of weekly room and that was for the Fitzgibbon semi-finals not even no longer the Fitzgibbon final that's been pushed to Wednesday night, as we know um, so it, it's squeezed the reason for that is because they're trying to leave April free for club month uh, some clubs have done or some counties have done that traditionally some it's been enforced on them uh, and county some certain counties are really railing against that so it all comes back to the overall calendar issue essentially there, therein lies the, the nub of mm-hmm. the whole thing um, and then, like we can see how long that process has taken to try and fix that the, the, the club um, players association have walked out with that We'll say negotiations, for want of a better word. Um, they're See, not they're, happy with but they're, how, they're, how they perceive yeah, that. They're only
0: the football championship, though, Les. There's no debate on the hurling championship. Do you know what I mean? And The hurling championship is a waste of time
3: for yeah, half the year. The hurling year. It's the, the, yeah, still, year. It's the, it's the calendar years in trying to fit it all in into one year, as in, i.e. should club be actually played in April or should it be pushed to maybe two six-month championships, yeah, per yeah. se, as opposed to the actual structure. Because um, that has a bearing on, on how things happen. Even in hurling, um, in ter- I accept your point. Then, because there's a lot of points in this, the league, probably the the one thing I do with the league at the moment is change the quarterfinals. I don't think there's a there's a huge need or appetite for quarterfinals, particularly the way that if the two groups gone. Um, we're talking about Division One here, obviously. Um, so I, I don't think there's a need for quarterfinals. I think semifinals would suffice, um, and that would obviously free up another week in in. in these cases where you have this weather situation Um, and as you said Mm -hmm. in in terms of your overall championship structure in terms of two groups of five which is playing on a league basis I obviously have completely different views on how that should be played Um, I think we're going away from kind of the the overall point so I don't know unless Cheddar has anything to pick up on that
1: no, I do, do agree with you, um, Brian. It is a games uh, programme or an annual programme, annual games programme planning issue. Um, I think there's a couple of little things in it and a couple of little nuances in that as well. Uh, first of all, safety of players is paramount. Um, I think there's been a couple of games went on, including maybe a Claire Leash game went on, but there was definitely a game went on in Ennis. Last year, I think in thunder and lightning, that you'd be a little bit concerned that this was a safety. Did, that of was car clear, and that was in the summer. Car yeah. Claire, yeah. You know, so so I think there's a couple of things here that simply just you know you just do not uh, you do not allow these things to happen. I think there's another issue, obviously, is insurance issues and so on, and so on. Does your insurance cover all of these? There's a lot of little things like that that you know maybe maybe there's more to it than we see. And of course, the third thing is hurling. Um, you know the nature of the game and the size of the slitter and all of that is very very different to football you know can the game actually go ahead in muddy conditions now pitches are much much better than they were years ago and Brian is right I certainly remember matches going on in November December and look there weren't matches at all they were just arm wrestlers really I suppose um, and I do agree with Brian's point I think the quarter finals I, I just don't see a need for them I think if that you know it took one weekend out of it and gave a little bit of regal room here. I think it would it would be good um but look, you can't plan for everything either you know i I accept that from the g a but I think it's part of the wider issue here about the whole annual games program for club and for county and I think if the right minded people got around that and and found solutions to that to be able to support a good club championship. Um, and I do think it needs to go on throughout the year, maybe in two parts, Brian, in each county. But of course, you'd have to look at county by county basis as well. But I think if the right people got around that and fixed that, you would also fix a lot of the other issues and then leave a little bit of a room that, look, if we got a bad weekend or something like that, well, we have we, a we weekend to play with or two weekends to play with.
0: Yeah. So there's the, see, there, there's, Sorry, there's, yeah. just to come in there, there's definitely... Uh, Improvements can be made to the hurling year, but this is a criticism I have of hurling pundits, Brian. I'm going to throw this to you. They're all so positive about their game. They don't rattle enough cages to get the to get the, the enough changes through. Like everybody was giving out blue murder about the football uh, structure, and that looks like it's going to be changed. But because hurling tends to say everything's going along fine, and that's a that's a, a trend amongst a lot of hurling people. There's nothing wrong with it. This is a big problem for me in the hurling year. This league, that's the hurling year doesn't take off. There's no news in any of the media. There's nothing goes on until May, and that's half. That's half the season. That's you're you're, you're trying to you know trying to find talking points.
3: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I understand that, but it does come back to the structure of the championship essentially because the Munster and Leicester councils change the structure to make those championships into leagues and they say there's an appetite for that and obviously it does point towards the fact that the John McDonough works um, and we certainly have much better championships um, as as a result of that. Is it the fairest and, and best championship out there in terms of fairest in terms of the fact that there are 16 counties? I personally am um, wouldn't agree. Um you know, I've often had my, uh, my tuppence worth in this. I think the provincial championship should go back to knockout. There's no appetite for that anymore. Um, and I would play a much fairer system of uh, 16 teams, four groups of four.
0: For the and All Ireland?
3: The, for the All Ireland series. And the, and the top two go into A quarterfinals and, and the bottom two in each group go into the B quarterfinals. And I just think that would be a much better system. And yeah. we see something similar promoted in football it's just it's, it's very slow to get change and as long as we have uh, the unfairness is what I'll say it the only way of saying it you know I've harped on about this point with the Munster Championship and how hard it is for the likes of Kerry to ever play in Munster yeah. you know they would have to win Joe McDonough and win a playoff you know so make, in order to get into Munster yeah, you make, know, and we have Leinster now proposing. in fairness to Leinster Leinster proposing a six team Leinster a much fairer system. You know, yeah. that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to give more teams within Leinster an opportunity. Leinster, I'm constantly harping on about this, but they have been a much fairer um county or province in that perspective. They've allowed Antrim into it, they've allowed Galway into it, they allow they allowed Kerry to play in preliminary Leinster Championship. So they did. You know, and so so they are much more, you know, open to the idea of that hurling is for everyone, as opposed to the this you know the sanctity of Munster Championship and the five big guns yeah. so you know there, therein lies my issue I'm probably from Offaly and it sounds like I'm harping on but Offaly are so far down they're inconsequential in this in this debate at the moment so in a way I'm kind of glad of that
0: The, the A knockout <coughs> provincial championship in March Cheddar followed by an All-Ireland League two groups of eight from April until middle of July or the end of July
3: that sounds all right to me
1: no, that certainly is an alternative um, that would certainly yeah, need that, to be explored. Yeah, that,
3: that's a good that's a good call as well. Yeah, like there's loads mm. of variations you could do with that.
1: Mm. Very simple but year. There, there is yes, and I think yep. I, I think that, you know th- th- that's what I'm sort of saying earlier on that. Get in, look, I'm certainly I, I'd be proposing Brian here straight away for this committee, um, but there certainly is um, to get a right group of people together and just I hate the cliches of thinking outside the box, but think outside the box and don't just stick because the Munster Council is traditional and the Leinster Council is traditional or whoever else and this is the way we always did it. Is there a better way? I don't think that 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 has been explored properly. Um, And I think it could be better. And just bear in mind, Willie, you made the point at the start that the hurling people are always happy. Look, the, the decision... That was made about restructuring of the leagues this year. was a, a, a was a very very poor decision. And you know, the mere fact that there's quarter finals there, Brian, I'm assuming is driven by the top six seven counties who need an extra match at that particular time before they move into their championship. Of course, that has its downside, as we're seeing now. But the, the, that decision to restructure last year and to really bury the likes of Westmead, who you know, and Carlo and and and, and Brian, I don't have a difficulty whatsoever in talking up about leash and Offaly here, and I will do that very very. Strongly, well, are in the same lack, position, and that lack of vision. Well, what well, is the wider ratio here? That lack of vision of deciding that we can have a sixteen-team championship that can compete neck and neck with each other, but at the meantime we need to drag up four or five counties here. That lack of vision, vision there is what's killing the hurling, and and you know crazily they decided to, to, to change a league system, which was quite helpful to development counties if I was to classify them as that, and then give give preference and benefits to the top level counties. That seriously don't need it and that probably some of them at the minute don't mind you know where they end up in the league because they know that they have everything in every little bits and pieces in the right way for to approach the championship Um, so I, I think you know people with open minds and get away from uh, commitments to, tr- to tradition and get away with commitments to their own county and to provinces and all of this type of thing and look at this openly and come up with, a, with something and Brian you've suggested one that makes an awful lot of sense to me Dave
0: you're right they've made the balls of the league they've made it worse they've made it worse I tell worse. you That's so I would be happy and no, I've said this a couple of times no.
3: you know they've made a mess of the ha- National Ireland League they have,
0: they mm-hmm. have. Uh, just before we finish on a lighter point lads leash players took uh, showers at half time <laughs> The clear, in the clear game. I'll start with you, Brian. Have you? I've never heard of this before. I've never I've, heard of it. I've, I've often I've, I've often gone in and put my hand under the heater. All right, if they were freezing, <laughs> took off my gloves. But I've never got a hot shower. It sounds like a
3: great I, idea. I've never. <laughs> I I don't know. Is it? Oh God! Like God! You, like I think your your body be weakened after that going out in that second half and opening all your pores. Like I know you're so cold. I know you're desperate to do anything. You had I don't know. I I I'd, I'd love to know the science behind it. Um. I th- I, it's questionable Yeah, uh, certainly heard? but I can understand why they would possibly do it I remember playing um, Leash in um, more Park uh, the year slips in mind around 2006 maybe the spills of rain like there was honestly there was about 4 or 5 inches of rain in certain parts of the ground on the field but the game went ahead because it was, it was there was a match due to be on telly and um, it, w- it was absolutely ridiculous I remember coming in at halftime that day and just like Completely stripping down, toweling off, new togs, new socks, and just like pouring the water out of my boots. (laughs) <laughs> like that's how much water was on the field so I can c- certainly have some sympathy but as I said I'm not so sure about the science behind it for your, for your body I would it actually s- be any good for
0: it I have to say I have a lot of respect for the Leaf players that took a warm shower and actually headed back out I've been thinking of <laughs> putting my clothes back on <laughs> <laughs>
1: actually, actually Brian I remember that that game that you referred to in Amora Park and uh, that certainly was one of those days when it was dangerous for players and it shouldn't have yeah. went ahead or it should have been stopped and not going to head and,
3: and try, try Mark and Healy in that <laughs> <laughs> yes no, no, you're right. And
1: look the danger of, of slipping into a hurley Or something like that Is just a little bit Too risky Now look We don't want to be All treated with You know With kid gloves here either But there are Sometimes it's clearly A little bit too dangerous And I suppose there's the, there's the opposite as well You know Certainly on really Really warm days You would have ice bats With ice towels And that to cool you down And all of those things Um and you know, I, I think a lot of that is for you know individual players. Some players, uh, that works for them, and some it doesn't. And uh, you know, clearly there is some science behind it in terms of cool, cooling down. But, but um, you'd like to know the science before you d- try something like that. Is all I'd say.
0: What about the showers then, Cheddar? You've skirted around the the showers. Are no, you fro- that's the point I've made, oh, Woolly.
1: Yeah. No, that's the point I've made. You'd like to know if, if if there is science about that, and you know, clearly there's a huge amount around it. Um, well, then now uh, you know. I it was I, just desperate. No, I'd say I, I, no I know teams types, actually actually yeah. that have heaters and that have coolers in dressing rooms. Really. That that's just that's just accepted now. Any of right. the top teams will have that, and the summertime they'll have coolers, cooling fans in in dressing rooms, and you would need it to be honest yeah, with yeah. you. Um, and vice versa, you know, is 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 it worth your while to bring you know, or of as cheap chips? Like, well, it's, doesn't it make sense to do that? I'm not sure about the science behind the the warm up showers. Um, I think it could for some players work the opposite, but uh, you know, I, again, like all of these things I'd rather the. The people with the science behind this to explain this, and and rather than somebody just speaking traditionally about it.
0: Yeah. Okay. I wonder, did he use shampoo or wash the hair, or did he just uh, warm back up? Right. Okay. We'll leave it there. We'll talk to. Did uh
3: Corbett take a shower. Go, no, go away for that for a second. Go. Carbot's supposed to take a shower at halftime, um, in all the big games. And that one, of the reasons he was late out at halftime, Jackie Turtle was waiting for.
0: Him. Oh, I thought he, he had to, the so. runs or something like that. Maybe.
3: No. Seemingly, yeah. Seemingly, he used to look obviously. Larry answer that and something there, but that, I think that was the. The, the excuse that was given for that day, that he was actually having a shower he changes all his gear at half time
1: well, so well never well, did
3: Larnie have Well
1: Brian I, I knew of a couple of players that had a very different way of warming up at half time that have a fag or two at <laughs> half time <laughs>
3: They weren't too far away from Mike county anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Chaser Pilkington could have had three at half time would you know? <laughs>
3: and John Troy
0: and Troy yeah, yeah they'd yeah. be lighting them off, off each other right we'll leave it there we'll come back with uh, David McInerney
1: Yeah, well I'm glad you brought that up you now, because <laughs> there's no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No,
0: we don't. Um but, but you what, didn't we, let Jamie talk at a at a hurley launch one day. Yeah, but hold on a second now. He was at a
2: hurley launch, you know. Yeah. You know, I, there's I, a media I,
0: ban if he can't no, talk at no, that. Absolutely
2: not. I think you guys need to do your job. Don't depend on us guys for quotes, you know. Okay. But but
0: no, Aaron, you're living like the rest of us. But if he's at a media day and he says to the media that I'm not allowed to talk, yeah. then he's obviously on a ban. Well, right? I think he's carrying a mixed message. Alright, so Clare sitting top of Division 1B and their midfielder David McInerney joins us on the line now. Clare midfielder, uh, David, how does that sound? Uh,
2: yeah, it's a bit different I suppose to other years but uh, just just played uh, three league games there and it's, um, it's definitely new but liking it so far.
0: Yeah, so like I mean, do you, is it a position you play a little bit with your club? Is it completely new to you? Like I mean, do you have to learn it all over? Like start from the very start I suppose?
2: Um, it's not completely new to me. No, I've I've played a little bit in midfield and in the forwards at the club, but um, it is a bit different to club hurling, being midfield in county. But um, no, it's it's going it's going good so far. I still feel like I'm finding my feet and have a lot to learn. But um, it's not alien to me. We'll say I'm just just getting used to some differences.
0: Right. So okay. So if we're to use a soccer analogy, you're like McIllely in midfield. Is that it? And Tony Kelly can kind of go forward.
2: Um, well, yeah, I <laughs> suppose you could use that. He's definitely the Messi, anyway. I don't know if you'd even give me <laughs> Um No, I'm just, I'm just trying to, trying to just work hard out there and get on the ball as much as I can. But um, Tony is definitely the, the glittering partner in the f- middle of the field. So,
0: is that, is that kind of a, a thing? Brian is trying to bring into the team to get more kind of combative players out there. You see, Davy Fitzgerald is at centre forward.
2: Um, to be honest he never told me a reason he just he just said to me that I was going to play a challenge match or two in midfield and see how it goes so I haven't got real reason enough him but um, I'm definitely enjoying being out there at the moment so um, we'll see how it goes for the rest of year.
0: Yeah it's a new lease of life I read before you said the better the player is the more I enjoy the challenge of marking them so I suppose what, when you're in midfield what do you see your challenge being?
2: Um, well I suppose your job is very clear cut when you're full back because yeah you know that you just have to beat your man and not let him score. Whereas in midfield, um, you're not really... You have a man to mark, but you have a lot of other jobs too. So you're trying to cut down on space. You're trying to get on the ball yourself. Um, You can afford to be a little bit loose or you kind of have two or three seconds to recover without the ball ending up in the back of the net. So um, there's big differences um, but still I suppose there's, there's brilliant midfielders in the country and obviously I'm going to enjoy marking them as well but it's a little bit different to the full back line
0: That's the thing I suppose there's no one whether to, when to drop off your midfielder and go help somebody else all that kind of thing you have to get used to
2: Exactly and I suppose the other side of it is when you're full back and you actually get the ball yourself you know you're not going to be tackled from behind or from the sides um, whereas when you're in midfield, you kind of have to have eyes on the back of your head. You can be tackled from all angles, so I suppose it's just uh, a depth into that, really.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely definitely is. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch it. Kamir, when you when you won the All Ireland 2013, it's obviously your first year, and you had a you had a very clear identity. You know, you played a lovely. Short passing game and a running game, and it was great to watch. And then Davy moved to a bit more of a defensive style, and then Donal and Jerry kind of tried to introduce a bit more of a long ball. What what would you call your style under Brian?
2: Um, to be honest, I think every game is different. You'll be playing some teams where you'll have to set up a style for them. Um, I suppose looking at Tipperary last year and they play a lovely style of Ireland, they play long, they play short, they play a little bit of everything. So I'd like to think that we'd start being able to play that way, kind of a mixture of a style, but um I suppose the big thing that the the new management is getting into is just that we work harder than anyone else um style will come itself then once you're working hard. So so far it's working in the league but um we'll have a few good games coming up now to see how we're getting on.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cuz I saw you you recorded as well by saying that you were after 2013 the following years you were saying that you expected to win it without having to earn it. And I think that was something Jerry and Donald maybe identified as well and that hard work they probably tried to instill that in as well in that in you as well.
2: Yeah well I don't know about that quote now I don't think you win anything without earning it Um, I just think at that time No after 13
0: sorry That was after 13 The years after it
2: Yeah well I I still I think just at the time We had won an awful lot um, Underage And then our first year into senior We seemed to win it And I think lads just thought That that was was going to be the case We were just We were winning but as we found out afterwards, you don't win anything without without serious work rate. Um, so I suppose Fitzy, Donald and Jerry and Brian, they've all been trying to instil a high work rate in us. And um, I think in the last few years in the championship, especially the the highest work rate team with the highest work rate seems to be coming out with the the championship at the end of the year. So. We obviously have a step up to make, and I suppose Brian is trying to get that into us.
0: Yeah, like it was an incredible start to all of your careers. Like, like I mean, winning all those the underage titles. You have two and twenty ones, and then in your first ever year winning the All Ireland. Like that, that, you've reached the pinnacle so early. Do you know what I mean? At, at such a young age.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was str- it was strange now because. Um, even my father played for Clare and my grandfather played club hurling and like they didn't win much and then all of a sudden we came along we just seemed to be winning most competitions we were in so um, my grandfather has often said to me how lucky I am Um, and he says not to take for granted what you've done because other lads have hurled all their lives and don't have them medals so I suppose at the time we mightn't have appreciated it enough but looking back at it now I kind of do I appreciate all them medals and um was the the aim is to try and add a few more if we can. Yeah,
0: because actually that 2013 team, I was looking at it, there's nine of that starting team gone now. So it's a completely different team. It's a completely different... People often look at Clare and go, will they win another All-Ireland with that team? Like, that team's long gone.
2: Yeah, and uh, a lot of that team left in the the year soon after it, like, so... After
0: the Wexford match, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah. A lot of lads kind of retired. Others got injured and they never came back from the injuries. They retired as well. And um, it's funny, I have the picture in my home house and you look at the whole squad and like there was probably a squad of 33 or 4 for that All-Ireland winning team. And there's even more than nine lads gone off it. So there is a big change in the in the squad to know, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I suppose it's the, the likes of you... The likes of Tony Kelly, who are seen as in all our heads, you're still young lads, but you're the you're the experienced fellas now. They're having to drive it on.
2: Yeah, I suppose um, I'm 27, turning 28 this year, and I'm one of the oldest lads in the panel. So it does it feels a bit strange now, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> I can tell you one thing: the body is feeling a little bit older. But um, you know, it's still just as enjoyable as when you a young. lad.
0: Yeah. And what about Brian? Like, I mean, I suppose Brian would have been. I think he has a, has a local column, and he would have, you know, his job would have been to critique the previous management teams. Now he has the job for himself. You've worked him. You've worked under him before, obviously with Mary Eye He he had you as captain in two thousand
2: and fifteen. Um, I was very lucky. Yeah, Brian was actually in Newell, and uh, I was only in there for one year with him, and we won the Fitzgibbon. So. Um, I had a great year under him and I really enjoyed him so when he came in as senior manager I thought it was going to be more of the same but he's he's, um, he's got in a different background team it's kind of it's fresh ideas so positive start so far
0: Right okay so like a, 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 maybe his game plan in college is different than his game plan now or his style of management?
2: Well I suppose just college hurling and inter-county hurling are, are very different yeah. because most of your college hurlers are on inter-county teams, so they mightn't have much access to you until it's given time. So just from my experiences there, I wouldn't have played a whole lot of the league in college, but um, then Brian's job was to kind of gel different lads from different counties trying to create a team bond and then trying to win the Fitzgibbon competition. And we were very lucky though, but I think it's completely different to inter-county management where... You have your squad for the all the time with complete access and I suppose they all know each other already and everything, so it's different, all right, but um I can still see similarities between twenty fifteen and now with him. So
0: Right. Okay, very good. So you're you're a teacher, so you're off for the whole week this week. So like I mean you ha you have it handy. You're a farmer and a teacher, so you've one really difficult job and one really easy job.
2: Yeah, the farming being the easy one though, <laughs> and the teaching being the hard one to say, but uh I didn't have the whole week off. now, I just have today, Thursday, and tomorrow, Friday off. So it's a nice two two days off to have.
0: Right. Okay. That's yeah. It's not too bad. But I suppose having that career during the summer helps you an awful lot when you talk about your body and getting these knocks and stuff like. You're you're practically a, a professional athlete for the for the three months.
2: Yeah. Well, it's great. Uh, I actually enjoy the farming in the summer because I feel like my body isn't idle and I'm active and I have something to focus on because it's hard to be, if you were off as a teacher in the summer, it's hard to watch your colleagues head abroad maybe for the summer if you had nothing else to do and you were kind of just hanging around for training and matches, whereas I find the farming's a great distraction in summer and it's lovely to be working outdoors. Um, I feel like that when you're active outdoors, training and matches are easier, you feel looser, you feel, I suppose, more zen because you're out in the fresh air all day and stuff. So, you know, I kind of I enjoy that now and, I think it definitely helps with the hurling as well.
0: Right, and it's, well, you have time to do your recovery and, you know, you can you can tip away and do little bits and pieces that you need outside of it.
2: Exactly, yeah. yeah. You have your own time, but um, it's still you're occupied and you're not bored or anything or hanging around, so it's good that way.
0: Right, okay, so is the teaching just a little a little nixer away from the farming, or is it a complete career break?
2: Um, no, I really enjoy the teaching now. Um... Like when I came out of secondary school, I went straight into primary teaching and just did a master's then on top of it in sports performance in UL. Just for my own hurling career, I did it. Um, But I love teaching. I've been teaching in uh, my school now for the last three years and all my staff and all the kids are lovely. So I suppose I have a lovely balance of heading to school from eight o'clock till about half three or four and then I come home and do a bit of farming and I just have great routine from it you eat your lunch at the same time every day like so I don't know I just really enjoy the teaching and working with kids and then I have the other side of things and training so it's a busy lifestyle but I think the routine of it is great for my hurling career and stuff so I'm I'm enjoying it.
0: I was going to say it is busy so you're working as a teacher then you go home do a bit of farming and then you you grab a sandwich and go go off to training and and repeat that I suppose (laughs) every day.
2: Yeah, most days anyway. We have a few days off training uh, and stuff, but we're trying to fill in friends and family and everything then into that as well. But no, it's all it's all enjoyable and all worth it.
0: Right, Kamir, Before I let you go, I want to ask you about because you know a lot of people talk about sweepers in hurling and things like that, and being a fullback. I was surprised to read you saying that you didn't like uh, you didn't like uh, sweepers because. Um, it functions you said as a, it functions as an aid to help you manage a forward but at times it can be confusing a ball could land in the middle of, of all three and you don't know who's going for it I prefer when there's no sweeper because I can find and read space easier just when it's you and your man I thought that was an interesting one I thought a sweeper in front of you would have been a nice little bit of insurance uh,
2: you think it's insurance um, but like the idea of a sweeper is brilliant, but I find that teams now know how to play against them as well, and you're taken away from your attack too. And I suppose the aim of hurling is to outscore the opposition rather than contain them. So my my opinion just on the sweeper is that you're kind of admitting defeat to an opposition forwards already. Um, if you're playing the sweeper all the time, teams can plan for it. Whereas I do value the sweeper; they are time to be thrown into a game where. And not expecting you to do it, and you can work ball out. Yeah, remember, um, actually, actually,
0: just done that. I remember thinking Colum Galvin going against Galway that day, and it worked really well, just as a as a kind of a surprise. That's right,
2: we actually our full back line was in big trouble there um, in the first semi final last year, and Colum came back centre back, and he seemed to clean up ball, and maybe Galway just weren't expecting us to do it, or I don't know what happened. before Colum was just on fire, but. He definitely had to dig us out of a hole that day and we got to the replay. Um but then in the replay we kinda of started with a sweeper and maybe Galway has thought about it and it wasn't going that well and when we went all out fifteen and fifteen and them we brought it back and we probably should have kicked on in that game. We were unlucky. Um but yeah, no, there is a place for sweeping in Ireland, but my myself is I do enjoy the the old traditional hurling aspect of it um, there is a place for it and just, but I think when you're using it all the time it, it's not as effective
0: Not as effective and obviously like you say sweepers can kind of confuse the whole situation back there in that you don't know who's attacking the ball
2: Exactly but then there's another site as the sweepers depending on the team if the team are, are lording ball down the sweeper is excellent to have around because they're the out ball or they're you can spoil your man and the sweepers picking it up, so there's definitely a place for sweepers in hurling and in tactics. But um I do enjoy the the fifteen on fifteen games because it feels more man on man and it's more enjoyable. Whereas you nearly feel like you're cheating when you have the sweeper personally <laughs> when you're full back but, <laughs> but um but no, no, it 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 has a place and but just sometimes if it's overused, I think teams can cop onto it a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, you won't have to worry about sweepers this Sunday in Nolan Park anyway, because they're banned.
2: <laughs> they're banned. I do <laughs> down there. Um, no, I think it's kind of 15 sweepers you need in Nolan Park. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, contact and tools there, but um, I don't know, it's, it's a good place to go to, to test yourself and see where you're at.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely is. Kimber, I won't take up any more of your time, David. Thanks very much for taking the call.
2: Cheers Wally, thanks for the call. And the yeah. game takes on, can very very often and take on a life of its own.
1: What's tactics? I mean you got to make decisions and you got to decide what you're going to do and at the end of the day you hand it over to the players and the players play, you know. The game was fast, was furious, was, it had everything really, you know, and you're, you're, you don't have too much influence on what's happening what happened last year it goes out the window or the year before or whenever it was Tipperary, n- don't go in the air the is the hour. and the game yeah. takes on can very very often and take on a life of its own
0: Alright the one, matches I want to have a look at here lads are Cork and Limerick and Leash and Carlo, probably the the most interesting ones in my eyes. You could say Dublin-Wexford probably are. We might do a bit with Michael Carton on Monday um, on that one. That's at 5 o'clock. Um, it's on Air Sport, actually, 5 o'clock in Crow Park. Um, but the Cork and Limerick one, this is a really interesting one in that Cork and Limerick are just like styles make fights. And we know these two teams come out with classics. There's something about the Limerick jersey that turns Cork from a kind of a passive team that are kind of you know skillful into tenacious kind of warriors I remember last year in the championship up in the Gaelic grounds they gave Limerick all they wanted of a cheddar and then you can come out in the game after against Clare and they were flat again and then in, in the game against Kilkenny and Croke Park they were good in the first half and they were dreadful in the second half and whatever it is about Limerick they seem to be able to bring a more consistent passionate performance out of Cork
1: yeah, that's been the tradition, actually, going back a long time. But I think that's going to change a little bit, Wooly, because I think Limerick style of hurling has changed a little bit. That old tradition, up and at him, um, and strike it long, and all of that, has certainly changed a huge amount under John Kiley and under Paul Kiner. Um, So I, I think that one of the reasons for those uh, maybe clashes in style, which gave us great games, um, you know, might be falling away a little bit. um. Obviously, the game is hugely, hugely important for both teams. You know, Limerick have set out their stall here clearly. We need to regain ground. We need to regain sense of purpose about ourselves and what we're all about here and, and clear away a lot of the old noise that was around the place. Um, and, of course, winning is one way of doing that. Um, and, um, you know, clearly they're in, in a good shape. They have four pints, um They've beaten two heavyweights. Um, and, you know, they've another game to go here. So, you know, they're in a good place of at least making a quarter final semi. Mean, Final and then pushing on, similar to what they did last year. Even though they did slip up a little bit towards the end of the year last year, Cork are not dissimilar. Really, they need to re-establish themselves as well. And and you know we've spoken a, a number of times about Cork. Um, needing a little bit of a physical edge to them without going overboard here you don't want you cannot change somebody massively here and you know lose all of the things that are good about you and gain some things that you need you need to hold the things that are good and their ability to carry ball ping ball find the space find the players and all that's very very good but they do need a little bit more hard edge to them when they
0: don't have the ball
1: when they don't have well even when when they even when they do I think that that ability to take people on and to tackle we spoke last you know I think maybe last week Willie about Um, a Cork centre forward of previous vintage Gerald McCarthy. they're missing a couple of players like that they're also missing tight marking backs that can shut down forwards particularly forwards that move around the field they're quite good at carrying the ball but not good enough in terms of the contested ball and winning that ball and just shutting down forwards and that so (coughs) the point I'm making is that here's the ideal matches to test your players in these things Um, this is going to be a good game Um, and both teams are going to come at it to win it. They're probably going to put out near enough to their best teams. They're still a long ways off of championship pace and all of those things, of course, but it's a good place to test something for what Cork need here. Um, So I I think that it'll be a really, really interesting match, and of course, you know, both teams sort of need the pints as as well. Cork need the pints. They've lost a match already, Um, and, you know, it, it, it is important that they get momentum here, and it's really, really important for Cork, I think, for Kieran. They fixed the things that have hurt Cork over the last couple of years. Obviously they're very, very close. Obviously they've got some incredible players I've made this point before, I think if Cork win in All-Ireland, they, they could be the next dominant team within, they have definitely got their underage structures and all of those things right um, but if they fix some things in the senior team, um, they're going to be a serious, serious force as they go along but they just haven't done that yet and going back to, the, the, to that point, here's the ideal match to start those things out
0: the, the, the few places they need to strengthen, Brian, like I mean it was interesting the last day, Tim O'Mahony who I've I've criticized a lot at number 6. He was a, a right half back and Bill Cooper was center back. For me that's a very positive change for them. Um you know and then you could have Mark Coleman at number 7 and then you're looking at that half back line and uh, half back lines are very very important in hurling.
3: Yeah certainly and, and and the big the big call they've made actually is Robert Downey going to full back. Yes. You know oh, he yeah. played a minor My- Ireland at full forward. Big, tall, rangy man. He must be about six foot six, six foot seven, and he's hurling quite well there at the moment. So it, it'll be interesting. They need need a bit of patience with him and Tim O'Matney. And I I think that was maybe an issue last year as well. Tim O'Matney looked like he was poised to be centre back. One bad game, good luck, bye. Do you know. So these are young players that need they needs a bit of bedding in time. Um, and I suppose it's defending as a collective unit is is probably a, a wider issue for Cork as well. Um, you know, the Damien Catalan maybe out into the half back line as well. They were looking at that. Mm. You know, you know, you maybe pushing Mark Coleman up to midfield and and if it's given a it centre forward. They've definitely flirted with those couple of ideas in the opening yeah. rounds of the league. So you can see what so you can see what they're trying to do. Uh, maybe a, a more steelier um, half back line. You know, big tall range of men, kind of thou shall not pass, kind of a, a approach. Um, but as I said to me it's that defensive unit uh, and that starts often with your half forward line even your full forward line at times you know half hour lane dropping deep and we've seen that happen a huge amount Daniel Carney doing that a huge amount last year and bear in mind that he has actually um, stepped away from the game now at yeah. the moment so he will be a loss in, in that particular role and, and I, I distinctly remember him doing that in Limerick last yeah. year in the Gaelic Grounds I was
0: going I think he was man of the match in that game he set the he, tone he was
3: yeah. Yeah. yeah he really did and you know it, so that talks about it doesn't have to be a big joint of a man you know it just honest work rate and uh, selflessness for the team and, and as I said that defending as a unit. But there's there's probably a couple of wider issues with Cork in in general, obviously. And uh, you know, I think it was John Ford I read in the Examiner during the week and, and, and talking about some of the you know, Kieran Kingston was was, you know, quite um you know, not happy or, and same with John Myler with the way the game is actually refereed in Cork in terms of the club games that it's it's too soft you know the fouls are being blown for, for technical fouls and really you know yeah. in, and in essence then what's happening is obviously that's filtering through they're not producing essentially tough enough um, county players you know yeah. because of the way the game is played and then you have things like Oak consistently whinging about the spare hand um, in Hurland you know, and 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 the way that the game is not being refereed probably because you know it's this this spare hand it's not allowed it's not allowed, like it's a bit I don't know from from that perspective. Look, he's technically right. I I won't disagree with him on that. You know, he is technically right. There is an issue with, um, you know, people coming in and slapping down the hands of other people. Yeah, grand, fair enough. Um, but it's not a it's not an issue that needs to be you know consistently put forward by him. Um, it's not a blight on the game as he's trying to imply. Plus, you know, it's it, he's trying to remove maybe a, a hugely physical element of the game. You know that the top teams are doing. You know that's what Limerick are doing. That's what Kilkenny are doing. That's what Galway did when they were at the top when they won the All Ireland. Similarly, that's what Tipperary are doing. They're getting in, they're getting physical. It's getting up close and personal. It's becoming a battle as opposed to maybe that free flowing hurling that Cork. Like so, I think that rhetoric from from Don Log doesn't help the overall you know approach to hurling down in Cork also a little small thing and it might not it, it, it might be a throwaway thing but at the same time Cork are one of the counties that are actually backing this black card coming in um, there must be one of the only few I don't know is it linked to the fact that um, Frank Murphy is on the rules committee um, and you know obviously the politics of that that the county board are going to back him in, in, in that um, that regard but nice. you know all these things do filter down and it just lends itself to the reason we, we consistently say that Cork are too nice a team um I tell you one thing, that Cork team in zero four and zero five, they weren't a nice team. You know, they were tough as nails. They really had warriors in that back line and, and, and where they needed them, real workhorses Like Brian Murphy wouldn't spare you, Deerman O'Sullivan you know, Animal, you know, John Gardner, led you when they need a rose. So Pat Mulcati cornerback. Like these boys were tough as nails. And, and that's when Cork were at their top I, th- I think they need to, to maybe look at that element as well
0: That's a very interesting one that I never even thought of is the, the way the club game is refereed because what's jumping at me straight away is JJ Delaney and after Richie Hogan got sent off in the all-earned final and he explained on the money, he says you have to w- remember Wooly." I was saying to him why is it on the only the Kel- Kilkenny players that won't see that as the sending off everyone else's he says because that wouldn't be a sending off in yeah. club, fo- club hurling at Kilkenny Do you know? and it just kind of while I was criticising him and I, I never really thought of it like that that's just the hurling they're, u- they're, they're not used to they're used to getting stuck in and they're no. not so like I mean I never thought of that that Cork aren't producing these players because there isn't a need for them in, in club hurling in Cork if, if that's a fair point
1: no, there, there is um, some relevance to that point and JJ is absolutely right um, I'm obviously learning that from my own experience at the minute um, the level of competitiveness and combative type players um, in Kilkenny is, is is it is very very tough and it's refereed accordingly Um and you know you are right. Then to produce that type of players, I'm not so sure if that's the only reason. And I there know, are, sure, and there are some reasons um, for um, being much much stricter refereeing. Look, we had it in our own county. We needed this, we needed it at the time. The problem with these things is it goes too far, and then it stays there, and it doesn't come back to the sort of the centre ground here, where where you know games are, the, the game is a warrior game. Let's referee like a warrior game, of course.
3: Can, can of I just across you for one second? I fully agree with you. Um, the thing is I think they're tough but not like it's not dirty
1: I think that's the, the with, distinction Oh Brian without a doubt that's a yeah. really really good point there would be no time whatsoever for cheap shots cheap players yeah. and, and you would be called out very very quickly on that in terms of the toughness and all of that it would be absolutely massive but not that you know not no badness Brian and I fully agree with that and, and it would be refereed accordingly Um, and look if you want to go back to Cork and, and and let's just talk about Cork themselves you know you go back to John Horgan and Martin O'Doherty and, and you, you, you named a good man in Pat Mulcahy. I think he's part of the current Cork management team. Um, you know, Pat will definitely put steel into this. And I think they are looking for that type of player. But there's no point in looking for steel and then losing the quality of your hurling. You know, you need yeah. you need both, yeah. obviously, or you need the mix right and all of those things. Um and you know, it's interesting that they're looking at two big wing backs are they thinking of Limerick down the line here because you know you need to be able to negate that the what the, the strength that they bring there as well. Um Rob Downey's been an interesting one, Brian. I I, I do agree. Um he looks to have fixed that. He's Typical uh, big cork player. If you look at Pat Macdonald, go back to Martin O'Doherty, go back to any of those type of cork full backs. Uh, they were, you know, they were certainly imposing physically, and in the injured Square and in that. Um, and I, I think. Look, the game has changed a little bit now. You know, there's no point in having hard men on your backline, not with, you know, with very very poor mobility, because you'll be found out very very quickly in that as well. Uh, but I do, I, I just, I suppose, speak generally about that. Um, Cork need physical edge, but you know, obviously, that meant in the right way. Um, but they definitely need better tackling and better marking defenders. And Brian, I absolutely agree with you that the most crucial thing that they need is better tackling forwards. Because it's not necessarily the tackling that that's needed here. Their forwards are players that like to receive the ball in open space. And the best way you can get the ball in open space is to tackle the clearance from the opposition. So it's landing on your defence and your defenders are there to get into open ground and now able to ping the right ball to space up the field. So you're not just necessarily giving a tackling performance for your defence, you're actually giving it for the type of ball that you want back up the field. And I think, you know, Cork have a huge amount of quality real, real skillful players but if they get those parts of the game right, um, I think they're serious contenders to win in All-Ireland.
0: The, the, Kieran Kingston was interviewed around the time he got the job and he said, what, wh- this is what he said, when I was there before we spoke about getting consistency, not alone from game to game but within games we have a lull from game to game and in games that has been an issue for a while and that's something we must try to eradicate and reduce to a minimum and it, this makes this makes sense to me because they don't have combative players naturally Brian so it's okay against Limerick and the Gaelic rounds they're coming off I think it was a hammering against Tipperary and their backs are to the wall so you'll get a performance out of lads that don't necessarily you know it's not natural for them to be yeah. that intense and you get it for a game and then they'll go out the next day and that kind of same backs to the wall attitude won't be there and then that's Falling down again, and even I mentioned at the start of this, it even fell down within the same game against Kilkenny, where they were all, yeah. you know, going well in the first half and then fell apart. They need, regardless of who your six most skillful forwards are, unless you find a mix and unless you find lads whose game it is, you don't have to get them wound up to the last to, to do this. That's their natural game, anyways. They, they, maybe they won't fix that consistency.
3: Yeah, and like, look, if you if you look, borrow down and look at the Actual individuals involved. Patrick Horgan, you know, obviously gifted hurler, not probably naturally um, adept at defending when when he, you know he's he's trying to defend a corner back or whatever, and he's actually been sent off a couple of times because he's gone in with big hits, um, you know, and and got it wrong, you know, completely. Tackled, no intent to hurt anyone, but you know, has caught people um, wrong in tackles. Um, Alan Cadigan, another guy huge pace to burn, absolutely we've seen it happen so many times, burning cornerbacks. Um, but another man that wouldn't be probably renowned for his defending. Um they're trying Shane Kingsing in full forward now, trying to offer maybe something different from that perspective. You know, Aiden Walsh, we've talked about Conor Lee Hahn, another man, brilliant at all, you know, br- yeah. brilliant attacking type of player. And then you have Seamus Harnady then as now, he has it all. You know, I think Seamus Hannity is a is a brilliant go-to guy, um, f- fantastic player. Um, so you know, they're, they're bringing Darrifit's given up as I said into the forward line, maybe to bring a little bit more of of that perspective and trying and over overturn teams. So you can you can see teams around the country trying to do that, and you see Dave Fosther now gone up to central forward for Clare. You see Chris Crummy gone up central forward for for Dublin at the moment. They're not only really trying this out in the league, but they are looking at that. Alternative when they don't have natural players that can, you know, maybe there might be natural scoring forwards. Yeah. They've they've identified the issue, yeah. Yeah, they've identified the issue and they're trying to find ways around it. So it'll be interesting how Cork are trying to do that.
1: What's interesting about that, Brian, as well, if I was to come in there, like most teams have just moved on to now the possession, you know, passing type game if you don't have a good tackling game plan and it starts, you're right, if you if you're just doesn't start with your 15, you're, you're not going to be able to get yourself back into the game and turn over ball and that sort of stuff. You're missing an absolute key component here. So if all the other teams, you know, main way of transferring the ball is to work the ball through the hands, ping the pass, um, if you don't have a good game plan and some of these things is, is, um, one of the things you would look at in this is how hard how hard are they working to track players? Not necessarily to in the tackle. Just track the player and put them on the pressure back to field. And you name the number of car players and you never see them do that or rarely see them do that. Um, so the turnover of the ball is never going to happen, even if you don't get that right, let alone the speed to the tackle. How quickly do they get to the, to the tackle to shut down the play? Certainly, there's a lot of work I think for Cork to do that. And considering that the Limericks and the Galway's and and and, and Wexford definitely are going to move the ball through the hands, um, if you don't if you don't have a good tackling game plan, you're in trouble. I think.
0: Yeah. What about Declan Dalton there? Just to finish up on Cork, what he seems to be is he more of a target man or a scorer? He's not scoring heavily in, in any of the games I've been trying to tra- I've been kind of tracking him
3: yeah at inter-county level you know it's just a step up in, in pace and, and intensity all round you know he's been obviously very good for underage for Cork he's been obviously very good for his club um bear in mind that is an intermediate club I learned without being disrespectful but it is you know it's, it's not the same level of intensity and um but he's a big strong rangy guy and again he probably needs a bit of time to try and mould himself into the Intercounty hurling. He, he's, he's, I think he's more than capable of making that step up um, you know he, he could offer something different but you know Cheddar has hit, hit the nail on the head there you know you need players to be able to do everything now with Intercounty game look I was brutal myself for years at tackling, I'm still not great at it, but I'm certainly more conscious of it. Um, I know I'm coming towards the end of my game, but that, you know, that Cheddar
0: f- that, that just makes you feel guiltier for not doing it now that you're conscious that, of it. You're better off fact. being ignored.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but that's a fact, because you look back and you go, oh my God, embarrassing almost, you know, the way the game has gone now. But I'm definitely more conscious, Cheddar said, like, you know, much more conscious of trying to track players and turn the ball over and, and the importance of that. But, uh, you know, it's tough as a forward. I think JJ kind of alluded to the other day. You know, especially in, in winter hurling, you have to win ball, you have to win your own ball, you have to try and turn a man, you may be a third tackle, third tackler coming in and try and get that ball over the bar. So it's not easy being a forward.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, so that Cork-Limmer game is the deferred game on TG Cahar on Sunday the other game quickly lads we'll look at is Leash Carlo this is a relegation battle let's be honest whoever, whoever wins this will avoid the game against Westmead without being disrespectful to Westmead they'll probably fin- they're will probably they going to finish at the, at the bottom of that Colin Bonner made a comment after the last game he says how many beatings will it take for them to lose their interest I don't think it will happen as we're trying to get players to focus on their own personal development and look at themselves as intercounty players and it just got me thinking Cheddar how do you keep a team motivated when to take a few heavy beatings like that
1: it's difficult um, and you've got to be really really honest with your players and with your team um, you know well in advance and set out your goals and all of that and I'm interested in, in that column um, said that because you know that's certainly the way of doing it is personal development of players motivate them to be the best players that, that they can be and along the journey if you get every, all the bits and the parts together uh, that you can get wins and build some momentum as you go along it is very very difficult because you're, you're working off of you know if you're to look at your serious players in your panel you're probably looking after maybe 15, 16 or lucky if you have 20 and you know i just keep going back to that point it's the strength and depth of your panel and therein lies a problem for Leeson uh, on, at the weekend I think to maybe five or six or seven of their first team that are out injured at the minute and look that for Kilkenny, can are really able to do without all the Ballyherald to their own players at the minute and still get some wins under their belt and get performances and that um, it's very very different for, for, for these counties you just don't have that strength and depth to be able to to be able to um, uh, cover for that. Nonetheless, um, look, the game between Leash and Carlo is this is serious, serious uh, a game. um, Playing in that playing at that level is where you want to be I think you, you you're being very as I said earlier you're being very honest with your players look we are going to ship um, a beating or two here but look there's one other thing I want, another one other, other point I want to make here Willie. there's been a number of times in the last couple of years when some of the top teams shipped bad beatings and nobody came along and said oh we can't ship beatings, beatings here and you know you need to toughen up and, and, and just take these things on the chin and have some confidence and go out the next day again and look at your performance again it's all about performance really rather than result of course when you're speaking to your players and that but look let's just focus in on this game it is hugely important obviously um because it gives you that platform to play, to test yourself against teams. That if you're in the Leinster Championship next year or this year, um, you know you know where you stand and you, you build some confidence in that. And if I look at even you know Lise's performance down in Ennis last weekend, would have been very, very good. Of course, you can win to win the matches. You don't go down and travel down there and and just say, "I were all right." We'll come in nine or ten pints of that degree. You know, no, no team or nobody has that sort of an outlook on a game. Nonetheless, when you look back on it, um, that was a good performance and I think the difference in the score difference between the two counties is I think Leash might be min- minus 26 Carl or minus 48 now that could have to do with some of the teams that you're playing as well as I say or you know a number of times this league is hard to actually get any sort of facts out of it because you don't know where if it's given players or who's injured or who isn't playing or what teams they've played and that but it is hugely important to both teams particularly the way the league is structured now that you know this is your first chance to stay up you might have a second chance you know it's likely to be West in terms of the relegation final, you might have a second chance, but staying up there is absolutely crucial to the development of your players and to you be able to say to your players, You have a chance of walking onto the field like Westmead players last Sunday. I've got to commend them the way they performed last Sunday, took on Cork, showed no, you know, show obviously respect to Cork and the Cork hurling, but not on the field. Took them on and had a right go off of them. And Westmead players, you know, just you, you asked the question, How did Westmead players feel walking away from, from Cusick Park last Sunday? I tell you how. The felt. We let one bloody slip through our fingers here. We should have beaten Cork. Isn't that a great boost for the next day and next year for any Westmead player, or any young Westmead person in the ground to be able to look out there and look at Westmead players able to go toe to toe with Cork players and come away with you know a good performance. And I think that's what that's what is about, Woolie.
0: Yeah, I think um, I'll throw this one to you, Brian. I was disappointed with Leash in the second half at the weekend. I thought they were great in the first half and they put themselves in a position where I thought they could potentially uh, create a, a huge upset. And then with the wind it persisted with Ross and young Bergen in the full forward line a two man full forward line being covered with a sweeper with a gale force wind and it wasn't sticking it with Ross Ross couldn't get it up into his hand and Bergen wasn't in the game at all and I thought surely to God with a gale force wind like that that they might have done away with the sweeper and put in a man that might have been able to get the ball to stick a little bit
3: Yeah and look Paddy Forstle had a little bit of success in the sweeper role and he got a point and uh, but I, I I kind of agree with what you're saying because there, there there comes a point where you have to have a go on hurling, you know, and it 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 has been statistically shown um, you might win certain games in isolation, but it it's very hard to consistently win these big games without actually. Um, having a go and as you said they could have changed up a little bit I, I know Leash are short a few players at the moment and they're trying to leave maybe the likes of Ross King on the field his huge experience and has done it on big days but maybe obviously that, that could be looking at like maybe bringing him out to the half forward line or whatever just changing the personnel inside but I know moved moving away from Leash for a second like I was actually down at the Carlow Dublin game last weekend as well and it's just, just it, the point here is in is, is relation to tactics against the wind Carlow played 14 men um behind the ball. They played one forward, their star forward, Marty Kavanagh. um, He was the only forward within the 65 for the vast majority of that first half. And on two occasions, Carlo players had the ball and had no one to hit it to because Marty Kavanaugh had filtered out maybe tackling or whatever. And they actually had nowhere to hit it to. So one stage, the Carlo just hit it into the corner. It was like rugby almost looking for touch. Sheesh. Didn't quite make it. And in the next case, um, I think it was Jack having to hit the ball down the line and chased it. Now, he actually ended up winning the free. It was a stupid giveaway by Shane Barrett. He cut across his run. Cool, Cullen. Like, he, he, like honestly, <laughs> it was honestly like that. It was like I was dumbstruck. Like, I saw it happen once, but twice it was just unbelievable. Now, you can say statistics Statistics wise, there were four points to six at half time. They were after playing into a goal. Gale Force win. They had negated Dublin. Yes and no, because like this second half onslaught never came. You know, this uh, what I predicted. I said, right, okay, they've put themselves, they, they obviously, as a group of players, they understand this system and they know they're trying to negate Dublin in the first half. Yeah. And now it's going to be all systems go in the second half. But Dublin just upped their work rate. They ran at them, they just over, overpowered them. It's exactly what we're talking about in, in terms of, you know, with Leash. You know, Clare just. Found a way around the sweeper. They ran at them, they, they drew scores. Aaron Chandler obviously was a big part in that. He really troubled, when they went direct, he really troubled Frank Flanagan when he went in there. Oh, um, so, like, you know, I suppose I'm probably a little bit more traditional in, in my approach to hurling. Um, I'm not saying the systems don't have a, a point to play. Of course, of course, they're hugely important. But there has to be some sort of, you know, real attacking. Approach a real kind of you have to have a go at a certain point.
0: Yeah, I don't mind them doing that cheddar if it's normal conditions, that's their game plan. Lennon came on and he's a great sweeper. I love watching him on the ball, he always uses it well. And but when you have a gale force wind, that's like an extra man as it is. Like if your defenders can't handle their men with a gale force wind behind them, and you know, not to have not to face the extra man, you know, at the other end when you have that advantage, that's what disappointed me that they never really looked like you know taking or take it non-clear and making mm. them worry
1: yeah um, well look first uh, half, half great I know but, uh, like, that's fine um, you know after the event um, you know Lisa went and I've been that soldier I went to Ennis a couple of times and and um, we've just been completely overrun and overpowered. Um, and I suppose you just want to stay in the game as long as you can. But I, I think there's two different things about that, Willie. Um, I think if you play out and out defensive sweeper, so in other words, your sweeper simply stays in the D and he's cutting off those diagonal balls and he's he's assisting with double tackling and he's assisting with carrying the ball out of the, the defence, which is you know really you know a real defensive sweeper. Um, then it mightn't. That mightn't make sense. Yeah. But I still think you can play that extra the extra player either coming back into your defense or from the defense with a much more offensive threat. Which is what, incidentally, Wexford did the very same thing. I, I actually was. I watched not matches on Sunday, uh, but I was listening to a number of radio stations and I heard Michael Walsh on on Kilkenny uh, radio station, um, you know, laughing at Davy playing a sweeper with the wind, uh, but he actually wasn't he he was actually playing an offensive player coming off the half back line um, and clearly, it worked for Wexford. Now I know there was other reasons that the, the big hitter players that came on had a big, big difference for Wexford. Yeah. But, well, Leech, we, well, but Wexford, a lot of ball w- to the. To but some teams will be doing different half. things, Wooly. Wexford yeah. were obviously practicing what they're going to be doing in the summertime, and not necessarily just simply going for the game. Even though it did work for them, but uh, I, I think um, I, I look, it, it, I think the quality of the top teams to be able to ping the ball around the place, um, with or against the wind. I mean, we're, we're talking 30-40 meter passes here with players with the mobility to be able to move into space and all of that. Um, if you completely take out your defensive screen in something like that, there is just going to be one result. Uh, I, I know what Brian is saying. I think there's a middle ground there and it's called, yeah. you know, it's an offensive game. you change from a defensive game to an offensive game. That doesn't mean that you throw out absolutely everything part of your plan from the first game to the se- first half to the second half. You can't do that. And now It's different. It depends on who you're playing and it depends on yeah. your team. And if you don't have a target player inside, you mentioned Declan Dalton in a minute ago. Uh, you look at Father O'Neill's play to play, they didn't really try and create a one and one inside. At that level of intermediate hurling, that's a great thing to do with the likes of the quality of Declan Dalton. But if you don't have a target command inside that can hold up ball and then work off the place and that, maybe that's not the right way to play it in. It depends on what you have and who you're playing against.
0: Yeah, the Le- Leash definitely didn't have it the, the last day. Just the 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 point of the of of the using the sweeper what it d- drives me up, uh, up the wall is the team that dictates the sweeper then goes hits it down to the other sweeper. If you're dictating oh, no, the sweeper, you must oh, know no. you're going to face uh, another one. No, I've, I've
1: seen that a number of it times. It does my head in. Yeah, no, whatever, I have to about, that.
0: whatever about the team that's shocked, okay, this isn't us, we've to change everything, and now we're not used to it and we're going to hit it up there. The one dicti- And that's why I was a huge criticism of Waterford when they started it. The amount of balls they'd hit then to the other spare man, and they're the ones dictating these tactics. It was just, it was madness. But I, mean, I need to finish on this one, lads, and it's Catter Healy. Um, I was talking to him during the week, and like, Kat Catter's back in with the footballers um, I'll go to you Brian because you marked him and Catter's a stalwart and anyone in Leash and probably further afar far know how committed Catter is and he lives in London and he drives home he's his most committed fellow he'll ever come across and Catter wanted to go back in with the hurlers and Eddie Brennan st- said no to him now Eddie Brennan wanted him last year and Catter hadn't played football in a long time and said that his commitment was going to be the footballers this year I don't know is Eddie annoyed with Catter over that but Eddie's doing a lot of talking about lads not committing to go back in and all the about their, you know, their attitudes and how disappointing it is. And here you have a fellow like Catter Healy who wants to go back in after missing out in last year and he turns around and says no to him. I, I, I just can't get my head around that because every single hurler in that panel will know Catter's commitment and will know his quality. And the idea Eddie kind of thought that Catter coming over and back might disrupt things a little bit, like... For me, I wouldn't really accept that excuse. I respect Eddie and he's done a great job, but I'd be very disappointed with that, that a player like Carter Healy has been turned away.
3: Yeah, if that's if that's exactly what it is, and you have to obviously, you know, you're getting it from the horse's mouth there with Catter, like that is disappointing because, look, I think one of the big things in management is to try and ensure that you get the best players available, particularly and Cheddar has alluded to this a good few times it's no disrespect you need everyone you possibly can in the likes of Leash and Offley and Westmead and all these and as you said everyone knows Catter's commitment to the game and to himself and to the club it, it's just it's it's phenomenal he's a real um, he's a real warrior on, on top of everything else but he's a real role model like you couldn't ask for someone better um, and and probably not well enough no one around doesn't get the probably the, the national recognition for the type of player and man that he is. Um and look, he's obviously in those situations he's not going to be there midweek. Um I don't know how many sessions Leash do during the week, how many he's actually going to end up missing then and is he only available then to turn up maybe if they do choose the Thursday, you know, is he actually missing th- the vast majority of it and, and Eddie's not comfortable with that or as you said is, is it more in the fact that he turned them down last year so you know I suppose there's a, the, Eddie has his reasons as well but on the face of it you'd expect that there would be some way some sort of compromise there because I tell you one thing the likes of the quality of Carter Healy and you know the commitment he, he has off the field um, you'd be bending over backwards and you'd be absolutely you know delighted to see him come back on board What's your
0: thoughts, Cheddar? He would have come home for you when, when I'm sure he could probably predict your your, thought, your on Cahir, anyways. But he he would have been travelling over and back with you when when he was hurling.
1: Yes, you would. Ah, um, look, Brian has explained. Um, you know Cahar much better than I can um, you know a complete warrior in hurling and football I'd probably take it any sport that he would play um, you know the character of the man is just is just something else is all I will say and I've seen, seen an awful lot of players I've probably seen nobody to surpass that the willingness to win the willingness to put uh, you know to put his team ahead of himself and all yeah. of those things are just unsurpassed about the man I just simply could not speak enough about him Um but I, I, look, I don't know the details. Um, I genuinely—it's yeah, how
3: hard. hard comment I genuinely don't you yeah. the I know. I know, I know the details. I'm
1: telling
0: you, I'm telling
3: you the details. No, I know, I know the details from from care perspective. But like, look. Mm-hmm. You know, Eddie. In a, in, a, in a proper debate, he would get his opportunity to give his side of it. You yeah,
1: know. So. Yeah, and I agree with that, Brian. And I, and I say, look, you know, you've got. We, to don't, we don't
3: do balance on this show,
0: lads know, <laughs> no, we, no, we
1: don't, uh, Willie, But I tell you what, we do do. We do honesty. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, I'll say, um, you know, it wouldn't take much for me to speak up, uh, Car Here, um, I think everybody knows where I would, where I would stand on that. But equally, in terms of honesty, um, you know, maybe Eddie has a different view of of you know what's needed in terms of lease and all of those things. And you've got. To respect that as well. Yeah, no, and I, d- uh, I, do, I, I do. I certainly will say um, that, you know. Car in a dressing room, even only on match day, would be hugely important and beneficial to the team, even if he wasn't playing, um, and that would be a huge benefit. But I've also got the respect that you know Eddie might have different views on how things go, and it, go, it goes back to that issue, I suppose, Brian. That you know all of these counties, you just need everybody really playing for you, particularly particularly those warrior type players, because they they are motivational in a dressing room and they do stimulate other players to you know to give their best performance.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree with. That that we'll leave it at this
3: opens up that yeah this conversation if you have time that you were talking about you know the Antrim approach the football approach
0: yeah Yeah. keeping yeah yeah go on
3: yeah like you know obviously the the football manager has changed up their system and only trained three times in the the week um, allowing you know to get more in in one session to do the weights at the start of the session and go out and do whatever running or football they need to do but obviously by only meeting three times a week it just frees up the players essentially for, for their rest of their lives you know family, life, work whatever it is the, the commitment doesn't seem as large and they've obviously got a good few players back on board now this year and you know it makes it a lot more accessible for people and I think I think that is the crux of it because like you know everyone gives up county and I know you talk about the pace of it and all that but it also a huge part of giving up county would be it is actually the commitment you know the, the six. Nights of the week, essentially, that you end up given to inter-county hurling, almost seven usually. So, like, it, it is a novel approach for Antrim, and and it's something I definitely think. And again, without being too disrespectful, if you're not in, if if you're not going to win in All Ireland, you know, sometimes you can see why certain players step away from it because they're like, I'm not prepared to give up six nights of the week to not win All Ireland. You know, yeah. so. You know, it's definitely. I think there's merit in what what they're doing.
0: No, and that
3: lends itself to maybe with you know, it's just you know when you talk about Care Healy, you know, if he is missing maybe two or three sessions during the week, is that too much of the of the week's training program for Eddie Brennan for Care to be missing? Yeah, maybe that's a reason. I don't know.
0: That that's that's the point I'm making on 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 Cahir. I respect Eddie the job he's doing. I respect even you'd respect his decision, and that's fine. I I would strongly disagree with that decision very very oh, yeah, I couldn't disagree with yeah. it more we all and, do. and we all I can do. see where Eddie's coming from a lad just coming back at weekends not being there during the week he can't be there during the week he just co- could come home for matches for me with Catter Healy that's enough for me you know so I strongly disagree with Eddie I'm not, I'm not no, attacking Eddie no, over this just I strongly balance, disagree with just him Just
1: for balance there um Look, it's not every second weekend. You know, football and hurling takes place every weekend. No, so but he,
0: no, if he, he was going to choose the hurlers this year.
1: Sorry, that's a different. Yeah, situation. he only went
0: with the footballers because
1: the hurlers turned him down. Sorry, that's a different. Yeah. That, that's different. And I genuinely don't know. I am obviously, a least, man, I genuinely don't know that.
0: Yeah, no, that's what happened anyway. So that look, at that that's sorry, all I there's one other little
1: point there on, on the Antrim footballer. Look, sometimes, um, sometimes your needs are higher than higher than high performance preparation. Um, and one of those things may very well be, uh, you know, Lenny Harbison, Harbison is the person we were speaking about here, a very, very um, experienced uh, man, about, knows about things. His need at the minute may very well be to get some experienced players back here yeah. and that he's willing to, to to give up a little bit of high-performance culture to do that. And that might serve Antrim better. And if that's the decision that was made based on, you know, good logic and that, that's a good decision. It would fly in the face a little bit of real high performance where you're actually talking about individualised programmes per player because of the needs analysis that you have done on them and to be able to do that and you know sometimes it might work to do a weight session before a training programme but if you were talking about real in-depth programmes for players it probably wouldn't work to be honest with you uh, But so I'm, I'm just making that point that you know it's it's just too simplistic I think to say that we'll just run with three, pro, three and, and so on so on yeah. if, if you, at an inter-county level I would be amazed if any of the top Ten counties having an individualized program with with separate c people looking after the two or three different groups within that to get to where you want to get to, but and just go back to that point, you might have a higher priority here, and that may very well be. I need to get all of the best players in the county on the field for me to s- establish a foothold foot here to move on to where I want to get to
0: yeah, just in case anybody 's confused uh, with the the antrim stuff is that Lenny Harbison, the Antrim football manager, instead of training five nights, he trains three and he combines the weights with the nights that they're out on the field. So he'll do the weights first and then they'll go out on the field and maybe do an hour and an hour. It's a bit of a longer session, but the benefit he sees of that is that they have the next night off and they don't have to be getting stressed out about going to the gym. I would love uh, to talk about will,
3: it. And I think that, yeah, I know it's a good point. And just to finish, that, like, Tedder, I think, hits the nail on the head there. Like, it will enable players to play Intercounty for longer, you know, essentially, because they can fit their lifestyle around the Intercounty at that. But look, it's 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 the Catch-22 situation. It, 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 it is, but, but, but
1: I do want to finish this, Brian. You know, you go back to the point about um, st- how do you stimulate players to play and so on and so on. Well, yeah. you're certainly not telling that group that we're going to win in All-Ireland because you won't. All of the top conditioning people will tell you that this is not the right way to go and, you know, we've got to believe that science. And I'll throw in one other little thing into this. We're talking about amateur players and, and too much in that. And I do accept that, you know, when, when you become, when you settle down, things do change in life and you change jobs and you look, you look for, you um, you know, you You're probably moving up the ladder In your job And all of that That sort of thing But you look at all of the Marathon runners in Ireland And how much And how often They train They're all amateurs um, you know, so ah, but
0: there's no there's no physicality. They're just running. They're ah, not they're geez, not Woody. taking hits and ah, they're not they're Woody, not Woody. taking uh, dead legs I tell you, and you hamstring. Talk
1: to Danny McDade who won seven or eight all. Or, uh, all um, you know, he's an old man now, and why he, he was doing thirty and forty years ago. They're not
0: getting hurdles broken off their legs, <laughs> yeah, Cheddar I can you know, tell you that.
3: I actually no, I no. The thing I take up on that point, Cheddar is that I fully agree with you that there is amateur athletes out there and just. People running for fun. And yeah, but no, way non- more.
0: Non contact sportslets. Yeah,
3: there's an element of non contact, but there's also, you know, as well as anyone, Cheddar, the issue I always had with the county training is you're planning your whole day around it, you're leaving at. Uh, you're leaving work early. You're getting to training an hour beforehand to get physio or foam rolling or hit freeze or hit silence, whatever. You get physio after you have a team meeting. You get a meal. You don't get home till eleven or, depending on where you are, twelve o'clock at night. The whole evening is gone. Yeah. You can mm. if we if if county managers would actually only train three times a week put the owners back on players to hit the gym twice a week or go to the ball alley. I think that's essentially what this man is doing. Okay, he's combining the weights to make sure that everyone's doing it. But like, if you actually only train three times a week and put the onus back on players, that there's a you know, bit of... Uh, you know, as I said, onus on them to to go to the gym. They'll have more time. They'll enjoy it more. I, I'm I'm a firm believer. Maybe it's because I'm caught up in the in the. I'm an old school. I I played in a different era, and that obviously I play a club now. But I just think there's a huge there's a huge part of that. I think that's why intercounty Ireland. So many people are younger now playing the game because of this five meeting up five six times a week. I I fully get Cheddar's point. You're telling Antrim that they're not going to win Ireland. Let's be honest. They're never North <laughs> this surprising. They're not going to win yeah. Northern anyway. And then you've all the people turning away from the game because they're not willing to do six nights of the week. So there is that that kind of that balance
0: there I think yeah what I, what I used to hate just to finish up on this point and we're definitely finish up at this point lads because <laughs> I had the, I had this antrum as, a, as a, a talking point for the start of the show you took so long over the black card I, I just skipped over it and you made sure you found a way to bring it up at the, at the end of the show this show's going to be about an hour and a half so let's anyone listening this is not my fault I've tried to keep it a little bit shorter but what used to annoy me was whatever about going down from Dublin and going training and doing a hard training session and then landing back up to Dublin late then you wake up the next morning and you go to work and then that night you have to go to the gym after work and then you get home from the gym and you have to make yourself something to eat and it could be 9 o'clock The day off after the training session, I see a huge value in Lenny combining the two. I take your point, Cheddar, the sports science wouldn't say, definitely not in the early stages where you're building muscle, your legs would be too dead altogether, it would be counterproductive. But when you're at the maintenance stage, I was thinking maybe there is a bit of value in, you know, maybe doing an hour before or after the session of the weights and combining the two and then having a completely free day the next day. Spend it with your family if you have a family, spend it with your, you know, girlfriend, whatever, wife. Um, whatever way you want to spend it in your own personal time and mm. I would see more of a, a life you know training balance potentially the the, the advantages of that I, no,
1: maybe. No, nobody, out- w- nobody would disagree with that will you and look that's what happens in a lot of instances. Um, I, I do think Brian that the the narrative around teams training night and day and all of that, there may have been some, there may have been some, but it's certainly not as bad as I think it's it's, it's made out to be. But look, the gym is hugely important. You know, you're taking, um, you're probably going to have three or four players that have come into the, into the team. They're now moving on to a real specified gym program, whether it's a strength program or whether, you know, there's a whole different myriad of things here for different players. Form and technique and that is hugely important. You could spend three years in a gym and be doing the wrong things. And you're you're never overseeing properly. I know technology is there now. I know you can do little little feeds and that into the gym and all of those type of things. But there are some reasons why it makes good sense to do these things, particularly with young players coming in. Um, I I do take the point. I think uh, you know. Look, managers would be looking at that. Is all I'll say to you, woolly And one of the reasons that they look at it, the the, the main thing is not actually fatigue from training it's mental fatigue from going too many times to the training field I find in in myself that's one of the things that sort of wears down players a little bit it's not actually what you do there it's just actually going maybe too often and look you can do little things like that around the county and this is where development plans come in hugely hugely so have has your county done a screening of all your players who are 14, 15 years of age, identified what they need to do to prepare them properly for gym programs when they reach 19, 20, when they come into senior teams? So then there's not a need around form and technique and, all, and, and, and looking at all of those things it's a much wider and more holistic look at the preparation of hurling in your county than just simply looking at your senior team. I think if that was done, then that would open up a whole new vista about how many training sessions you need to do.
0: OK, well, we're definitely all agreeing on that so that we won't and talk and about and it. No, and no, and, no, no, and you're Woody, not before saying no. Before you go away, there's one,
1: fi- one final word I will, I will make on that. I think consistency between conditioning and hurling management teams from management team to management team is important. Uh, you, you you will hear different focus from different conditions people coming in and I think you know a handover a proper handover and a proper I suppose selection process from management teams to management teams by a county board with the knowledge and expertise of how to be able to talk about these things might be important so then you know a new management team doesn't come in and put a fl- foot to the floor when maybe there's no need for that at all.
0: Okay that's always time for me back on Monday we'll talk to you then good luck. Killing me. <laughs>
2: When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go on. I said I'd stay going,
1: so I opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know,
3: and it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of war for today, because like I, I'm heart, I'm heartbroken.